What's up, guys? I'm Jeff. And I'm Ben. And we invite y'all to join us in another episode of Tennisnomics. Today, we'll be taking a behind-the-scenes look at how the sport of tennis has become so remarkably prevalent in the global economy. How tennis relates to the decisions we make in our everyday lives. And how the tennis industry's astounding growth in the past few years has led to so many changes in the sport itself. In the past decade, tennis participation rates have been higher than ever before, with nearly 18 million active players around the world, according to the Tennis Industry Association. This is largely due to an increasing awareness of the vast amounts of physiological and health benefits associated with getting out on the court and hitting some balls. These benefits include strengthening hand-eye coordination, developing sportsmanship and teamwork, and reducing stress and developing grit, along with its well-known capability to be enjoyed by people of all ages. So Jeff, I remember you telling me beforehand, but how does this all relate to economics again? Well, it does in a lot of ways. Remember when I talked to you about the opportunity costs and trade-offs of deciding to play a bit of tennis? Oh yeah, it's all clicking again. Whenever we or someone, or anybody as a matter of fact, choose to go play some tennis. The money and time spent doing so could have been used for other activities such as going to the movies or getting some food. These alternative choices that have been given up are the opportunity costs and trade-offs of the decision to play a little tennis. Yep, exactly. This economic decision making also relates to the whole idea of scarcity. We know there will always be a limited amount of time and money to spend doing the things we would like to do, and yet we are all guilty of wishing for more. Whenever anyone goes out to play tennis, when, where, and for how long are all factors that must be considered, because we only have so much time in a day and money to spend. Wow, that all makes sense. Correct me if I'm wrong. But scarcity has a major impact on tennis businesses' decisions too, right? Yes. In fact, businesses have to make trade-offs all the time because of limited time, money, resources, and energy. In order for any business to be successful, revenues must exceed expenses. In order for this to happen, businesses must use various marketing tactics to manipulate supply and demand with a goal of generating profit. These businesses also sponsor professional tennis players to popularize their equipment. Ranked number one in men's singles on the ATP Tour, Rafael Nadal has a $50 million contract with Nike, along with Babolat, Tommy Hilfiger, Kia, and many others, according to the USA Today. These sponsorships are an absolute ingenious way for a business to market its goods. When people see someone as influential as Rafa wearing Nike shorts or playing with a Babolat Pure Arrow tennis racket, they will most likely be more inclined toward buying these products. And the risk to this is that the business's contract could potentially result in a negative net income if sales don't shoot up to accommodate for the losses, right? Yep. If the demand doesn't increase and result in a higher equilibrium price and quantity demanded, 
the businesses could suffer from some serious losses. Hmm, interesting. Okay, guys, we'll be right back after a quick advertisement break. Everyone get hyped for Mr. Ethan Morris's podcast on the controversial economics of infrastructure, specifically traffic and highways. He will also discuss his foresight for the future of mass transit in America. That sounds super awesome. All right, let's get back to business. With tennis becoming more and more popular all around the world, professional tennis has taken it up a notch as well. The stakes for professional tennis tournaments are now higher than ever, awarding totals up to tens of millions of dollars, says Stephen Kutz from MarketWatch. The strange thing is that the champions of major men's and women's singles tournaments are paid twice as much as the runner-ups. This is a great example of the trade-off between efficiency and equality. The prize money disparity between placing first and second is a strong motivator for the finalists to fight as hard as they can, resulting in high quality of play and a large amount of tennis for the audience to enjoy. However, although this outcome is efficient, it doesn't mean that it's fair. The income is distributed unequally in order to achieve efficiency, showing the trade-offs between efficiency and equality. Also with the rise of popularity of tennis, the sales of tennis equipment, especially tennis rackets, have increased significantly. You're telling me. According to Grandview Research, the global tennis racket market size was valued at $351.8 million in 2018. Yeah, crazy, right? Hang on, how exactly do we play a role in the global tennis racket market? So firstly, the raw materials for tennis rackets, such as carbon fiber for the frame or nylon for the strings, are produced by factory markets. Labor or workers for these factor markets are provided by our households. These raw materials are purchased by firms like Wilson or Babylon from certain factor markets. Then these firms construct rackets from the raw materials and sell them to product markets, including Tennis Warehouse and the Les Mois up in Mequon. Finally, we our households purchase these final goods from product markets, completing the cycle that is widely known as the circular flow model. Got it? Whoa, that was a lot of info, but I think I got it. Before we get to the rest of our talk, 
I would like to mention Matt Abeltz and Henrik Olsen's podcast. Their podcast is about the unique market of baseball cards in the modern economy and how baseball cards have modernized while still having a high value for older, more antique cards on the market. Be sure to check Matt and Henrik's podcast out. Yeah, baseball cards are something I've never known much about at all, so I'm super interested. Okay, getting back to business. We've all marveled at Novak Djokovic's remarkable reflexes and agility on the court before, almost like he's the Flash. However, the main factor behind his success isn't his reaction time or speed. It's his ability to procrastinate, to wait just a split second more before hitting the ball. This is the total opposite of what had happened in the financial crisis of 2008, when mortgage lenders, homeowners, ratings agencies, and even the government didn't take the time to think about the inevitable consequences of their actions, according to Financial Times. And it resulted in one of the worst economic recessions in all of history. When playing tennis, it's crucial not to rush and to relish every moment you have before the ball comes rushing back at you. This is exactly how rational decisions must be made. We need to be more like Djokovic and procrastinate and think before we act. All right, that's enough for today. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And until next time... Tennis Nomics out. And it re- resulted in one of the worst economic recessions of <laughs> <laughs>